My name is J.D. Henning, and you're listening to Cheat the Camera, a podcast about short films and those who make them. Today, I am thrilled to be talking with some of the creative heads of an upcoming short film called She Talks in Her Sleep. That is Paul Taylor, Ben Clark, and Megan Joyce Pugh about their project, past and future. These folks are BAFTA-nominated for their short film, which is quite an exciting thing. Uh, Why don't you folks go ahead and introduce yourselves? Uh, my name is Ben Clark. I'm uh, one of the writers and producers of the film. Um, I'm Megan Pugh, and I'm also a writer producer for She Talks in Her Sleep and The Blue Door. And I am Paul Taylor. I am the director of uh, The Blue Door and the forthcoming She Talks in Her Sleep. Excellent. So yeah, I was very excited to uh, watch your your previous project and your upcoming project. Why don't we just go ahead and dive in and talk a little bit about uh, The Blue Door. So for those of you who have not gotten a chance yet to see this, please pause the podcast for a second, uh, hop on YouTube and look uh, look it up. Though I will warn you, it is pretty scary. Um, uh, definitely has, uh, you know, moments of creeping dread uh, spiked by one particular moment of, uh, at least for me, uh, just terror. <laughs> uh, so uh, it, it's a great project. Uh, and we're going to be getting into spoilers for that project while also talking about everything else. So please go ahead and take, uh, take a look at that. But for those who don't have a chance to do that for whatever reason, uh, would one of you be willing to kind of give a short summary of that project? Um, Paul, Who wants you, it? I've, I always think you've got a really good um, way of describing. Oh, it. God, you've teed it up now. <laughs> You're just so well, beautiful. You just use such wonderful language, Paul, and we're just really happy for you to go ahead and do that I right mean, now. I know we say we write it, but Paul talks about it first. <laughs> it all started one day. <laughs> uh, yes, The Blue Door is a film. And it was sold to me as a film all about a horror film all about doors, which is what uh, when when Ben when Ben first approached me about the project, he said he's written this horror film. It's all about doors, and uh, that um, him and Megan had always found that in horror films, doors were usually one of the most scary aspects of it because you don't know what's behind it, and it's you know it's a bit like the ocean in Jaws, and it's like what's lurking beneath is actually scarier than actually seeing it. Um, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And it was like, so let's do a film where we pull every trick in the book with sort of door horror, door related horror. And so that was my sort of uh, going into it, what I sort of knew. And then I read it and it was just this, this, this really sort of well-observed sort of story about a district nurse who's looking after an elderly patient who's sort of at death's door. Uh, another door there for you. and um and yeah and it's sort of heartbreaking at the start but then it sort of slowly evolves um and it's sort of like a visual puzzle you sort of get these clues as mm-hmm. it goes along and and it builds and you don't quite know where it's going which I always think is a mark of a good film and and then yeah and then it's it sort of I like that it starts sort of it creeps at the start and then it builds to sort of a run and by the end, it's just sort of really fast paced and it sort of takes you off your guard and hopefully leaves you out of breath. And that is my summary of The Blue Door. <laughs> yeah, it okay. is an excellent project. And I'm interested, uh, where where did this concept originate uh, for you as as the writers, Ben and Megan? Uh, what what was the kind of kernel of it that began the the snowball? Yeah, well, as, as Paul said, um, it was literally um, the first thought with it was I personally, when I'm watching a horror film, those kind of slow push-ins on a mm-hmm. door where you're just you're, you're about to see something or you think you're about to see something or, or a handle. Yeah, the handle turns and the door opens. I, mm-hmm. I just find those moments so scary. And so that was it. I just wanted to kind of boil down to that to that. And then on top of that, I love the idea um, uh, in films and also I quite often have uh, dreams about kind of shape-shifting houses, <laughs> finding an extra room or there's suddenly... So the idea of this door kind of appearing, this scary door appearing, and then ultimately kind of chasing the character around, um, I really loved. 
And then when I kind of took that to Megan, she added all the kind of the human interest stuff, the stuff about the the old lady and the nurse, mm-hmm. which just kind of added all the kind of emotional depth to it and gave us a character that we really, well, two characters that we really care about and we're uh, nervous for them, which is very important in horror that you kind of relate to who is being chased by the thing. Yeah. And you can put yourself in their shoes and that kind of heightens the, uh, that heightens the fear. Yeah. And I think when we, cause we, we started writing it quite a long time ago, but we kept sharing these two ideas and um, I kept having this, I, I get quite weird dreams as, as we all do. Um, mm-hmm. And I kept having this reoccurring dream where I roll over in my sleep and I open my eyes and looking at me over the mattress is there's actually it's actually a little man with a bald head and black eyes and he's just peering over the mattress um like in that moment in the film so I knew I wanted to incorporate that as well as a as a sort of defining scary moment I'm really glad you found it scary because um jeez yeah he went around the houses with it a little bit um but uh, yeah, so when we came together and we started writing it, I think we naturally fell into what you described where you sort of grounded the story and the moments with the door and the sort of atmosphere of the house. And then I would sort of supplement it with these characters and why we're there and why we're watching them. Um, so yeah, sorry, that was quite a long-winded way Me- of asking. Megan's dreams, by the way, are basically like a Hollywood sort of development uh, wing, they sort of <laughs> they come up with these like amazing. Con- she just wakes up and she goes, "Yeah, got another absolute killer, <laughs> terrifying, scary, <laughs> scary concept." And you're like, "Oh, great! I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> Team Megan's dreams have been working away." Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what kind of childhood you must have had in order to have <laughs> dreams like that. Happy but... childhood, I promise. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, and I'm I'm glad that I'm sort of using these dreams in the fictional horror movie world and not to sort of address my feelings in real life in some awful way. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not go to therapy. Let's let's go to uh, the camera with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it sounds like you, you had a bit of an extended time uh, working the basic concept until, un, until you had your, your screenplay uh, together from the sort of initial conversation, what about doors? What about nurses? Uh, to the point where you had something that you were, you know, showing around to people and you were serious, I think we're, we should make this. How, how long of an interim was that for you? Oof, it was quite a while, wasn't it? It was at least a couple of years, I think. Yeah, I don't like admitting it, but you, <laughs> um, it is when you, when you're passionate about something, and and all mm-hmm. three of us really, really love horror. We're really, really into horror. There's sort of there were two things in that just life and work got in the way with us mm-hmm. trying to write it, and then also take it to a director. Um, and then the other thing was sort of we certainly get a sense that horror is snubbed a little bit in the UK, but that's a whole other different side to it. So <laughs> when we did finish writing it and take it, take it to Paul, um, I think that was probably the best thing we ever did in terms of galvanizing the production because he really sort of kicked it up a gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sort of had to stop and go, Oh, he, Oh, okay. He's serious about making this. Um, yeah, that's it. I, I, I think at the early stages, and the reason it took so long is that we, we were kind of just kicking it around. Mm-hmm. I, I particularly wasn't sure we'd ever make it or anything. It was just kind of, oh, it'd be fun to write something. We both love horror. Right. So, you know, let's just kind of kick some ideas around. Normally, I, as a writer, I work in comedy. So it was kind of, a, it was a real, a kind of different, a very different thread to take. And so we... I think until and Megan's right, until we actually took it to Paul and Paul was like, yeah, let's do it. It it was all just a bit kind of, ah, you know, it's just a thing where we're kicking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some lessons in that though, isn't there? Like, it's just like, I think there's sometimes like an idea that you, that you have in film and stuff, you have to be right. You have to get going all the time. And it's like, right, right. you've got this idea, let's get it made. And actually mm-hmm. there is something to be said for like just incubating something and, and going, okay, we, you know, just, cooking it up and then it 
when it, and then it, when it's ready, then you sort of take it somewhere and then it starts to, yeah. you know, it starts to snowball and build up. But it, before, like, you shouldn't be afraid to sort of step away from an idea, let it fester, come back to yeah. it. Because you can force stuff sometimes and just be like, right, we've got to make this by mm-hmm. June. It's got to be, mm-hmm. we've got to, and then you like, I don't know. Some, so you've got yeah. to like, and there's, and then I think the other lesson is you can sort of then incubate on something for so long, you sort of don't know whether it's good. And then you do send it to someone and they go, God, yeah, this is great. And um, yeah, then, you know, it's just, it's just sussing out the right time to sort of do the right yeah. thing with each idea, isn't it? Which isn't always easy. I think when, I think when we took it to Paul, we were sort of at draft, I want to say draft four or five. And then mm-hmm. got to about 11 drafts when... Yeah, when by we the time we came to filming, yeah. So yeah. there's always some... Yeah, like Paul says, you... You, it's it's good to sort of muse on stuff and and make it the best it possibly can be, but then also be prepared that when you start bringing creatives in, um, to sort of trust their input and their sort of changes you, and their, their you, development. Yeah, well. you can caveat stuff as well, couldn't you? Can't you? Because I think you when you sent it to me, you were like, we oh we haven't actually got the ending worked out, but we really yeah. like the rest of it. Yeah. And then, so it's like you can do that as well. You can sort of you know, say, look, we really, you know, and then it, you don't have to necessarily have something completely finished and, and sort of the ending sort of, we found it as we developed it, it sort of presented itself at some point. Yeah, totally. The the stuff with the symbol, we mm-hmm. we didn't have, that was Paul, that was Paul, like Paul's <laughs> idea. We were oh, kind really? of picking up. Yeah. We, we knew that we wanted something and we were we like, we, we want had... the fear to be, you know, we want something that just shows in that final mo- moment right. that the the threat is in the room with her and not behind the door. I think mm-hmm. we had a message. We we just kept being like we just like obsessed about what the wording should be. Yeah, we were message. like, and then Paul just went, "Doesn't does it have to be a message? Can it be something else?" And that's it's those sort of moments that you wouldn't get if you hadn't sort of yeah. Yeah, because we was going to be on a book, wasn't it? That was it. We ah. sort of we're like, if she's seen this book, I think originally we were like, oh, maybe if she's seen this book that was beside the bed and it had this symbol on it at the yeah. end, the symbol would mean that. And then it evolved into a tattoo um, or like a scar. I think it was a scar or a tattoo or something. Mm-hmm. So it just sort of, it just, yeah, it, bit by bit, these things sort of um, find their way and the good ideas hopefully filter through. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, it's it's interesting that uh, you talk about the the symbol kind of coming in at the very end because for me that was you know, like you were talking about. I, I think Paul, how it sort of we have this slow creeping build. I mean, one of the moments early on, especially you know, I think for anybody, but uh, particularly for people who have watched some horror films, you know, you see the symbol and you're. And, you know, there's a big, uh, you know, there's a bookmark in the back of my head of, oh, we're going to get back to that and it's going to be terrible. And and so it just <laughs> builds that foreboding. And, uh, you know, really, uh, it did have a sort of dreamlike feel like, uh, you know, I'm not sure if that symbol figured into any of your dreams, Megan, but it certainly has this sense of, oh, this, I, I wonder which sort of avenue of horror we're going to end up slipping and sliding down uh, because it's abstract, uh, unlike perhaps you know words on on some sort of leather bound book but it it has a very concrete feel like somebody must know what that means is sort of what it communicated to me so that's uh really interesting yeah i thought it was a bit like you know like in agatha christie you give the audience a little clue early on and then they sort of it's done briefly enough and early enough that you kind of then forget about it because you see the symbol on the other Mm -hmm. and then there's all this other stuff with the door and hopefully you kind of the 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 symbol on the old lady sort of gets pushed to the more and more to the back of your mind until then uh, when you see it again you're suddenly like oh god yeah the symbol and that's that to me was sort of uh yeah we got it in at the right time i think that it that it's affected yeah Yeah. you just start to maybe forget about it and then it rears up again yeah yeah i mean just you know, well-conceived story. So let's let's move forward a little bit and talk about the production process. Of course, uh, Paul, uh, I don't know. It, 
my impression is that you have a background more working in comedy. So I'm just sort of interested, and it actually seems like all of you have a little bit of a background in comedy. Uh, yeah. It seems yeah. like so. We're all hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> As evidenced by uh, the Blue Door, which is just a laugh a minute. Um, <laughs> so, so did you approach it any differently from your more comedic projects, even from a production perspective? Or is it fundamentally, yeah, check, we've got the right kit check we've got uh the right dp uh and then uh, it's all about you know working with the characters or did it have uh, a different approach that you went into it with well um well we got an amazing dp who i try and work with as uh, as often as possible who who had a big um say on the aesthetic of the film mm -hmm. and um i think the witch had or the trailer for the witch had just been released mm. and that was a big inspiration we just loved how it looked and it looked sort of borderline um, underexposed um, mm -hmm. and um, incredibly naturally lit um, mm. I don't think I think they didn't hardly like that at all I think it was a lot of it was shot with available light but anyway that was a big just inspiration on the look and mm. um, the the then the sort of the aesthetic I was really keen on 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 getting we sort of talked about was that the sort of the world of the blue door and the world of this uh, um, a bungalow or this house that you're in is kind of starved of light and that sort of mm -hmm. you should have this feeling of like almost like wet clothes when you're in there you just kind of want to get them off and you just can't quite get enough light so even though it's all set in the day it's still got real atmosphere hopefully mm -hmm. um, and we, and gloom was a big word we were like we just wanted to have this like gloom throughout mm -hmm. and then aesthetically with the um, house it was really just about we really just wanted to ground things and have it really believable and um to the point of sort of like uh we didn't want like creaky floorboards because that just mm -hmm. felt like mm -hmm. uh, such a like, classic sort of too much of a sort of on the nose classic mm -hmm. horror thing um and in fact so it was actually this big last minute thing when we our art department managed to find these like carpet tiles to bring in that we, we laid down because um just yeah when you go to those sort of people's houses they have carpet in they don't have sort of wooden floorboards at all so it was really just about like really finding making this a really believable space that you would that some elderly person might um mm -hmm. uh, be in in their sort of last days as they're on palliative care um mm -hmm. So and then just yeah, we had an amazing art director that um, Ben and Megan found that came in and, and an art directing team and they just did such a great job and it's all a, a set in case you didn't know that okay. it's like a complete set which was we decided on because it had to have these gags these sort of reveals of the mm -hmm. door mm -hmm. um, and and just the control of of light and the time mm -hmm. we had to film it we only had limited time with. Mm -hmm. um, with our leading lady, Gemma Whelan. So mm -hmm. um, all those things sort of um, a set sort of really meant we, we, we um, could do all those things and we sort of needed to anyway. So it was, um, and in terms of it being different to comedy, like, uh, I mean, I guess so. I guess we are sort of really, we're just striving for reality much more. I mean, there's no reason a comedy can't be more grounded, but I think when you're dealing with something supernatural mm -hmm. and sort of, out there the the more you can sort of ground things and make it a really believable world it helps like you believe the scary stuff uh, for yeah. me to, to make it really scary and you know that's a you know that's just the sort of horror films i like when they feel real like the exorcist mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. the yeah. first film to really do that um like go I think for real a creative sort of from writing it i think there is is there are comedy helped us with the timing i think mm -hmm. it's sort mm -hmm. of got the, the the magic of three in there so you see the the door the three three times and on mm -hmm. the third time it like paul says it sort of pulls this trick on you and disappears um and i think in that way in that way horror and comedy sort of goes hand in hand in mm -hmm. that sort of you want a visceral reaction at some point so that's it's a um sort of build up to a joke and then you get the payoff um, right but in terms of like Paul said the actual production and pulling everything and everyone together I mean this was Ben and our first time producing a short film so for want of a better phrase we had no clue what we were doing but um, <laughs> <laughs> um uh, I think from sort of organizing comedy gigs myself I think mm -hmm. the fact that we just kept it all in one place so as Paul described like on set 
and mm-hmm. you just pulled everybody to that set um we weren't using lots of different locations and we weren't mm-hmm. having to use lots of different um sort of permits or or mm-hmm. different types of crew to kind of like right. cover all our bases um but otherwise it was it was very much a sort of Paul kind of I mean really as well as directing he produced it as well because I think we had to kind of lean on him sometimes for advice about just and I, pa- I painted some of the wall as well at one point oh yeah you did you did paint the <laughs> nice. walls nice. I, that should have been credited yeah, <laughs> always been hoping for that uh, art department credit never gotten it still seeing <laughs> about that one <laughs> yeah I I do have I am interested in how you did uh, the door gag where it just sort of appears in some of those shots, you know, uh, I mean, beautifully shot uh, uh, for sure. The, those slow, uh, slow uh, pans uh, where we go back and forth and it just sort of appears in one of those definitely added to, to the sense. And I'm imagining, did you do that practically or was that uh, something in post? Yeah, well, just before we get into that, I was just going to say on the comedy horror thing. Yeah. Because I was it just popped in. My, I was reading this. What was it? I think it was Team America. I was reading this thing about comedy, and they were like saying how um, to get comedy working really well. It's all about stripping away anything that doesn't help the joke, anything that doesn't mm-hmm. serve the joke, and having as much as little sort of fuzz around the joke as possible, so that it mm-hmm. just really stands out. And I think that's really true for horror as well. It's like. Nothing, you know, just ev- just clearing away everything that doesn't matter around the scare so that the audience can only really focus on that and they're not getting distracted and it really tunnel visions um, in on the scare. And I just think, I think that's where, um, you know, I think Megan just said it, it's like they're both like primal reactions, like a laugh mm-hmm. and, a, and a jump. Yeah. And to get the best out of that, I think, um, yeah, sort of unmuddying the waters around it is a really good a really good sort of uh, way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, sorry, with the door reveal. Well, I'll let Ben explain because you sort of had a bit of a... Yeah, so for the door, um, it was practical. The first the first time it was uh, practical. In fact, the, 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 the three, the first three times the door appears, uh, one of the first one's practical, the second's a... Uh, uh, plate shot where it disappears mm-hmm. and the third's mm-hmm. uh, an effect so we've kind of got all three of them in there but the first one we uh, because there was the the chimney breast in the wall mm-hmm. we slid the door in from behind the chimney breast so it's, sort of like so it's on the same illusion. it was on the same piece of wall we had someone on a stepladder above to take the picture off the wall and put that back on next to the door so it all looked the same but it was a, it was a real scramble. Yeah, um, it was so fun. Get it done it was, with the timing. Yeah, we was like eight takes or something, wasn't it? Like the first five just didn't work at all. Yeah, like the wall shook. Yeah, just like the timing <laughs> was wrong. And we were like, oh, we're not going to get this. And then like suddenly, we just sort of everything came together just as we needed it to. Oh, yeah, I, I I remember you saying like we've got, it's got to be this one or we've got to rethink it. And then we just managed to do it. I did. Yeah, the the yeah. art team sort of became this almost like this dance ensemble, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. They had to all work as one to to move this wall and then replace the picture and just make it look seamless. But they, yeah, they were amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it really came together. It it sort of makes sense that you have you have a combination of approaches to getting uh, that gag to work the way you want. Um, and the first time, certainly, it was. I mean, I try to take off the filmmaker hat as much as I can, uh, but it's, I can, you know, you can never really fully take it off. And I thought, ah, I wonder how they did that. Um, and yeah, it just worked really uh, beautifully. Uh, and, you know, I can say that about the whole project. And so you- That, that, oh, just that um, opening, that, that one was in the script as well from the start. It's something that's, um, Every time people watch it, they go, oh, it's so brilliantly shot. Like, how did you come up with the idea for that? And I'm always like, uh, I didn't. <laughs> it's like, Ben Omega is literally written on the script. It's like one continuous take panning back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then on the third pan back, it sort of reveals the door is there. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've been taking credit for it for quite a while. <laughs> well, we it's the makeup for painting the wall, isn't it? I mean, you, you wrote that. At least. Exactly. There you go. So, uh, uh, 
you you go through production was it a a few days three day shoot two day shoot it was day a... and a half that we yeah. timed it out as because we had to get out we only mm -hmm. had Gemma um for a day and a half basically because she was in the middle of filming Game of Thrones or she had mm -hmm. some loads of stuff on um so yeah it was like a four yeah a day and a half and then we had to sort of get take the set down and get out of the building Okay, great. Uh, and then uh, you uh, went into post. What was the post process like for this project? It was also quite long. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, um, again, just because we were all working and, and, and had other commitments, it was just, it was just really finding the, the time to put in. Um, and Paul sort of did a, I mean, you should really be credited sort of, <laughs> co-editor director <laughs> but um we can't put those kind of credits on the film it doesn't look professional enough Paul so you can't right. have that. But, um, <laughs> uh, well I guess the thing is part. when you make you when you're making a short and you're trying to make it for as little money as we as you or the money, little money you have you're waiting on a lot of favors a lot of the time so editors were doing his favors the grader was doing his favors we were paying for some things, but so we ended up waiting for a lot of stuff, didn't we? And it's like, they'll yeah. fit you yeah. in between jobs. And um, yeah. so that is a lot of the reason why it took a long time. Once you actually get going on something, it sort of happened and relatively even, quickly. Even sound that we, sound design that we paid for, even then the sessions, it was like we had to either go after work or, or find a time that we might be around or available for us to go in sort of almost mm -hmm. out of hours. So, mm -hmm. um it's just, but also, you know, it's 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 good to have deadlines. Obviously, when when you get into the the, the post side of stuff, mm -hmm. I would sort of recommend having some festivals that you really want to put it in for, and sort of see if you can use that as a um, a guiding deadline. Mm -hmm. But um, it's like Paul says, it's, it's really not worth putting pressure on yourself to get something like this done as quickly as possible. Um, I, I'm assuming anybody making short films is sort of as, as green as we were when we were doing it, certainly in the horror genre. Um, so nobody's really going to care what you've got <laughs> until they see it. So <laughs> it's really got to be the best it can possibly be. Mm -hmm. um, so it is worth, you know, investing just a bit more time and accepting that you'll get the better the best out of something if if you're not putting pressure on it um as much as you need to <clears throat> yeah things take time and money don't they and if you haven't got a whole lot of money you can sort of if you've got more time you can sort of yeah. offset that slightly and likewise i guess if you had an absolute dump truck full of money you could speed stuff up and get stuff done yeah. but we didn't yeah, yeah. yeah that's true but then also that that's when like the sort of magic moments happen as well if you just you don't have money you know for example part of the reason we did or maybe Paul and Ben will disagree but partly the reason we had to do this door effect as a practical effect is because I just we just wondered how much it would actually cost us in right. CGI so right. we were sort of with a producer hat on trying to avoid that as well right um but actually I think it looks more convincing um, yeah yeah I think we'd have all yeah I feel like maybe we'd have already done always done that practically but I remember last minute we couldn't afford to make enough as many rooms or something so we definitely oh, you yeah. guys like slashed the script down at the last minute and then we basically another like little easter egg for everyone is that the bedroom is actually the same room as the living room but painted red and with a window cut out of it and we just basically overnight i think when we were finished with the bedroom set we the art department got in painted it cut a window out and we were shooting on it the next day when the paint was still wet um, oh wow yeah there are a few moments where i sort of see and i'm like oh the, the wallpaper's wet oh <laughs> 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 i won't tell you where but you can <laughs> speaking of wet clothes literally wet sets yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh that's Definitely. great um and of course there's you know sort of the the headline sort of feature the reason that I sat up a little bit when I got the got the emails that this uh, was BAFTA nominated was that something that you were expecting no, no. <laughs> <laughs> not not at all no you just no you don't expect anything I mean we like knew we, we were we were thrilled Go, I mean going going into the kind of the festival seasons and mm -hmm. stuff 
it was we didn't know what to expect but gradually we we came to see that we were you know we people were really enjoying it we'd gone to festivals as well and seen the reaction and so mm-hmm. we knew that it was going well but still i mean obviously a bafta is just on a completely different level to you know to that so mm-hmm. we were we knew you know we knew it was going well we were so pleased with it and we were kind of like well this is this is pretty perfect we didn't know it was going to get even more perfect with a BAFTA nomination as well. I mean, literally, well, Megan's sister rang her to say congratulations, and Megan just, we, we just didn't believe her. I didn't know. Like... <laughs> so she called at like half seven in the morning. She's, she's, a, she's a teacher, so she works ridiculous hours. So mm-hmm. she was already at school at 7 a.m. And she's like, oh, I heard on the radio you nominated for a BAFTA. Congratulations. And of course, I just said, oh, no, no, shut up. That's no. not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, it's too early it's too really early for mean. that <laughs> um and she said no no put on the radio or look it up or something so it was actually quite a nice way to find out <laughs> it was yeah and, and we, did, we looked it up on about did you not I thought, no. we looked it up on about three or four different things because we were just convinced that it, it couldn't a- be the case and also before, because we and we also wanted to make certain before we texted Paul because we mm-hmm. texted Paul <laughs> and told him, and it wasn't we we'd been inaccurate. Then that would have been quite heartbreaking. So um, yeah, yeah it, was, it was such a thrill to get nominated. It's pretty unusual because I think um, I mean Megan sort of touched on before. It's like genre and sort of horror are generally sort of looked down upon, I think, and not thought of as sort of as artistically valid. Right. Um, so yeah, um, it was that was it made it even more of a surprise. But then Ben did leave, leave a suitcase of precious gems outside. Mm. Um, back <laughs> that, that was helps. that was where the real budget went. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was under overheads. <laughs> yeah, that it makes could sense. be that. It might. Yeah, be that. that's that's why all of the all of the above line people were in the art department. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> So um, that's that's really exciting. And and how did that change your sort of, I mean, it sounds like you enjoyed the process, you enjoyed the project, but hadn't expected to get it to get the reception that it did. Did that sort of change how you, how you were approaching, how seriously you took sort of looking into genre, looking into horror? Did that sort of say, well, oh, I think we should keep on doing this? Or was that something that you you were essentially on on the road towards kind of regardless of the outcome of uh the blue door yeah i think we we i think we had actually started to to really seriously think about going down that road before before that had happened as i said you know going going into the filming we were quite you know what i certainly was like oh this is just kind of like this is a side thing. This is kind of casual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it mm-hmm. won't. It'd be nice if it did. It wouldn't be the end of the world if it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, gradually kind of as the process went along, and I don't know at what point, but it did, you know, at, when we were talking about it, we were like, we want to carry on doing this. We already want to start thinking about what the next short's going to be mm-hmm. in an ideal world you know, that's what will come of this is that we'll, we'll be able to carry on, you know, the next project will be sorted and we'll be able to, to do this again. Cause I think we just really had the bit between our teeth by that point. And that, yeah. that did come before BAFTAs. I think generally for me, when we were, when we were writing it, I thought, well, if we get this made and we have something to showcase, it will, it will help, um, you know, give us a position writing stuff in general Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I think you're right. When we got the BAFTA nomination, I sort of thought, oh, this is that horror is something that I can be serious about and want mm-hmm. to be the best at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to try and get to that level. Um, and, you know, and also it was just such a winning team. The whole process mm-hmm. was just so brilliant. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, that's definitely another reason why we wanted to do another horror short and, and have Paul at the helm again. It gave it, I think that as well, it gave it it's a whole sort of second life. Like um, mm-hmm. it was sort of, it had done the festival run. It had done, as Ben said, it done sort of really well. And we were really happy with it. And then when it got the BAFTA thing, it sort of opened it up and it got the film suddenly in front of other people who wouldn't mm-hmm. really watched it. And we ended up, you know, having meetings with film producers and things like that. And, but as well, it just sort of 
yeah, just found a new an, um, another audience, and then it sort of more people wanted to put it in more festivals, and yeah, um, it just gave it another year of sort of touring, um, in a way, uh, which was fantastic, and so so grateful for BAFTA to sort of recognize it and for Megan Megan did all so much work sort of making sure we were submitted to all the right festivals mm. and filling on all these things and that time doing all that stuff is is sort of tedious and it mm-hmm. but it's so worth it mm-hmm. you know and not I'm not just talking about getting into Baffler that's sort of we were so lucky to do that but just mm-hmm. to get into festivals you know it does that there's a real grind and you have to sort of work it through and be targeted and, and right. Megan yeah. did such a brilliant job Ben did nothing it's true (laughs) Uh, I I feel as if this is starting to become a reality television episode we're getting all of the dirty (laughs) secrets That uh, so you know that's fascinating, uh, and it sounds like uh, th- sort of the reason that you did this project was, I mean, obviously you are all interested in and fans of horror, but also it was sort of a, a personal proving ground. Uh, is this something that I want to keep on doing? Um, and uh, did it? Uh, it sounds like at some point uh, there was a, a a channel that picked it up, uh, Alter, I think, um, and uh, did that happen? after a particular festival. I know, I mean, I don't know about uh, on your side of the pond, but here in the United States, we we tend to think of short films as uh, a good way to spend a lot of money and have something that's nice that you can kind of put up on your shelf and say, oh, that was great. But it doesn't necessarily, it's not like you're going into it imagining that you'll, you know, be r- rolling in the dough. Uh, so it sounds like, I mean, you were able to uh, get it picked up by someone. When did that happen? And was that an expectation that you had? Um, we, the online platform thing with Alter, I think was sort of, well, to me, it felt quite new to sort of have a dedicated mm-hmm. channel. Um, cause we were considering putting it on YouTube ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. but obviously we didn't have like an audience even there to start touting it to. Um, but then I think they saw it at Fright Fest and approached us about putting it on their, mm. um, on their channel so I hadn't heard about I hadn't heard of them at all until they approached us um and actually we now watch quite a lot of stuff on on their channel having um discovered it uh but yeah no they 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 approach I think they have sort of development coordinators or or whatever it is they have that go to these festivals and are looking for content and I think that is coming becoming more commonplace because I think even Mm -hmm. just show short films as well I think they do they do some yeah shudder yeah yeah do they oh yeah and I think there is another like online platform which I forget the name of so I think it is I think these YouTube channels when which was it was sort of 2018 when we started doing the festival circuit mm-hmm. and I mean it's probably I'm probably showing my age but it wasn't on the online channel thing wasn't a big thing that we sort of recognized I think we were just going to show it around festivals, right. perhaps right. show it to some of our sort of TV contacts and just be like, hey, mm-hmm. look, we wrote and made something. Do you mm-hmm. want to write and make something else with us? Right, um, right. Which was sort of already starting to happen. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, <clears throat> so let's kind of uh, turn to sort of the next project that you've got upcoming. You recently finished uh, going through a successful funding round on Greenlit for it. She talks in her sleep and uh, this is, it sounds like, you know, similar in the fact that it's horror, but it sounds like it has a little bit more of your comedy roots built into it. Is is that about right? Yeah, I think, I think that is right. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's, so we, there's actually dialogue in it this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were a bit nervous about, um, but we, just with with that in itself this this couple who are in it I don't want to give too much away but mm-hmm. um I mean it's obvious that she's sleep talking and, and he keeps getting keep keeps getting woken up about it or mm-hmm. with her talking and so we have sort of written some sort of nice comic relief moments in mm-hmm. that um again in the same way that Ben described you these two characters in the blue door you you'd like them or you want to follow them you want to find out more about them we sort of tried to do that with this as well mm-hmm. um and yeah build to, towards something a bit horrible hopefully maybe 
Yeah. I don't, I don't want to say too much. Because, <laughs> I, know, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, not that I sort of talk about it, like no spoilers. It's like spoilers for who? <laughs> nobody's going to see it yet, but. <laughs> who knows maybe you maybe you'll go you know from BAFTA to Oscar nom with this next project that would be very yeah, exciting that's the talk we like yeah <laughs> you heard it here first folks yeah. uh, cheat the camera uh anyways so uh yeah how how did the uh, uh did you do uh sort of an um you know, a crowdfunding project with uh, the Blue Door. It's, I know that you did with She Talks in Her Sleep. I would be fascinated to hear a little bit about your experience of that process or processes. Yeah, they, um, so um, the Blue Door was mostly self-funded by me and Megan up mm -hmm. until, um, and, and there were there were more favors involved actually um, with that. But um, we did end up doing a Kickstarter for the post-production uh post-production and festivals mm -hmm. kind of all lumped into <laughs> one so we yeah. kind of finished the project but that was quite nice because you know we, we we were able to say look we've done we've done a lot um and and kind of it's here it's ready mm -hmm. or it, it's on its way to being ready we filmed mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. uh we just need this this money to get us over the line yeah um but that you know that was something we weren't we weren't able to self um, self-fund the next film in the, in the same way so right. we, we just had to we had to do it from the start with a with a kickstarter but well well mainly, with a green lip because we wanted to um i mean we we did pay our crew with the blue door and we did um mm -hmm. feed them and everything else but it it wasn't as much as we would have liked to have given and this time we wanted to have you know sort of a, a fully realized budget for all mm -hmm. the crew and the time that they were giving um, and also I think after doing the funding once doing the campaigning once and you know what to expect and what what's expected of you we felt we could be a little bit more ambitious with the budget mm. um yeah so so we went a bit more full hulk with yeah and I, th I think ultimately actually they'll they'll end up have costing uh, almost bang Quite on similar, the same yeah. amount yeah um but a big big <laughs> save we had with the blue door is um the um the set company that megan found hmm. uh, called dressed there. called dressed they were brilliant and they um they actually were happy to do it as a co-production hmm. and so we didn't have to pay for the set and that was a, a massive cost right that we uh, we managed to dodge with that on top i think the blue door would have been the more uh, expensive production it would have it would have cost about 10 grand more i think yeah um yeah. but i think as a, as a general as a kind of a general rule i think you can sort of get your heads of department who who are invested in they will mm -hmm. get something out of of a short more than like people below the heads of department so you can maybe get them to they might even do it for free or for very little mm -hmm. um because you know a dp they're getting something really good for their show reel it's mm -hmm. they can flex their sort of drama muscles if they're mm -hmm. you know maybe not maybe they're doing more sort of reality tv but they want to show right. that they can shoot they can light and shoot drama and mm -hmm. um, and yeah but then you really have to pay your sort of you know your sort of your technical crew who maybe aren't going to get as much out of it although right. these things can be fun you know it's still time away from the day job or whatever like that so yeah, and um, you know we we had the the luck and the privilege of working in sort of television and stuff anyway so we knew mm -hmm. people so it really helps that you're not we're not just sort of coming sort of hat in hand and saying hey we really want to make a film like we sort of I knew the DP I'd worked with him before on TV mm -hmm. stuff so you can sort mm -hmm. of You've got the contacts and the kit, you know, and I knew kit houses where we could mm -hmm. beg, steal and borrow, you know, what cameras <laughs> yeah. have you got on yeah. your shelf this week that you're not mm -hmm. using? And mm -hmm. so so that really, really helps. And yeah, it sort of stretched the budget. I think as well, what Ben, what they, the sort of tactic of be, if you can film something or you've got something to show, then you do a Kickstarter or you do like right. a Greenlit project. Because I think for this one, we had like um, Ben and Megan got some like um, artwork done. Mm -hmm. And I think it just helps to just show, look, this isn't just pie in the sky. It's sort of, it's got, there's something to it. There's something there that you can see and invest in. I think that's quite a good, a, yeah. a good tactic in a way, a good sort of way of doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, 
we're we're past the point of Kickstarter being sort of, you know, an internet darling and everybody's interested and everybody is kickstarting seemingly everything uh, to the point where I, I don't know if you could call it uh, a mature sort of method or a route doing crowdfunding, but it certainly feels a lot more mature than it used to be. And I think people are a little bit more jaded from past crowdfunded things that sort of, you know, were squandered or end up ended up coming to nothing. So that makes sense that you want to have something really concrete uh, to uh, to show people. Uh, and so uh, I we know that- We just feel so guilty as well. Like, you know, you're basically <laughs> asking you like, because effectively, although it's going out on the internet, a kind of mm-hmm. the majority of it is you're like friends and family right. who end up investing yeah. in it. Right. And, you know, you're, you're, you're at, you know, it's just sort of a way of packaging it up and make, you know, they can invest in it. And yeah, you do feel, you know, you, you do feel, oh God, thank you so much. Um, and hopefully they get something out of it and do really enjoy the process and, mm-hmm. and, and it comes to something. But yeah, it is, it is quite a hard thing to sort of do. And, yeah. you know, don't you think, Ben and Megan, it is quite something? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, exactly that. And, we, and we'd really, we'd, with both projects, but particularly with the second one, we really tried hard to, to find funding and we came close. We got shortlisted mm-hmm. uh, for funding, but nothing came through. And we got to the point where we were just like, this is just going to drag on. And we'd, we'd actually written, you know, the first version of the script really close after we'd done the blue door like mm. and and so it was just like time we're just losing years here waiting mm-hmm. to have another project out there mm. um so we were it was something we were really re- reluctant to do and and both both me and megan at, at various points have said no we're, we're definitely not going to do that mm-hmm. but when it actually came down to it we're like you know people don't have to give money if they don't want to mm-hmm. and we are going to you know like say we, we we're gonna do it in good faith. We're gonna m- make something that we mm-hmm. think is brilliant, and also we're gonna make sure that um, the you know great people who work with us, uh, or at least some most of them, are gonna get paid mm-hmm. properly for it as well. And that's mm-hmm. that's a really worthwhile thing. Also, I think I was sort of during the campaign quite honest. So I would say to people, this is the only way I think independent different stuff that isn't sort of following some marketing tool ever mm-hmm. gets made um you know it's people like you that support this stuff and and make it realized and you know for that reason we're not going to let you down and i think in some cases that does resonate with people we've got a lot of friends and family who are in the industry so mm-hmm. um and you, you know don't get me wrong a lot of them love their jobs as do we but you are beholden to someone else's idea um and when you see someone because i've donated to funding campaigns as well so when you see someone presenting something really well that you're really interested in in my case horror and you really want to see it come to fruition then you're willing to donate and sort of suck it to the man a little bit Ben's not Ben's just shaking his head no yeah (laughs) but we do love the man too can we have have both you know the whole cake and eat it (laughs) that makes sense yeah um so uh do you have uh, do you have some concrete plans at this point on how to move forward with this? Or are you still in the point of okay, let's figure out our production budget and we'll we'll hopefully you know work on this thing sometime in the near future? Where are you at in that process? Oh, we're 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 quite far down the line. Uh, we've filmed it. The yeah. uh, she talks in her sleep. So it's filmed and it's currently with an editor. Um, so we're 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 already at the kind of post-production stage on it and um, I mean Paul has to go away on quite a big filming job so that mm-hmm. that's again sort of where it sort of might just slow down a bit whilst he's away and then we'll come back to it and they'll in- invariably be like one of us will you know have something that we're committed to so mm-hmm. but it is in the edit it's been shot um we know where the drives are <laughs> very good so, very good yeah. yeah it's it's similar i mean because it i mean it's a side project effectively to our mm-hmm. normal life mm-hmm. so it will have to just like fit in around stuff and you end yeah. up doing stuff in the evenings and mm-hmm. i do think um doing stuff like this unless you're 
completely uh, wealthy and don't have to work, you do sort of have to fit them in um, around your sort of uh, uh, yeah, your sort of regular life and find the energy to do it. But it, like for me, it's if you don't do too much of that and you pick your projects you really want to do, it is really worthwhile and you get you know a lot out of it and and it helps your career in other ways i think you mm-hmm. can yeah. use these you know you talked about shorts as just being a sort of expensive thing you put on the wall i've always approached i've always sort of thought of shorts as they're really use you know the real career building things if you can make a good one it's a good calling card show we mm-hmm. can do and i've mm-hmm. always thought I, my my ethos of shorts is try and shoot them as a sort of proof of concept mm-hmm. for something bigger mm-hmm. and and when we approached the blue door we were sort of talked a lot about okay yeah but what is going on behind the scenes what what is the bigger sort of mm-hmm. thing um so that you know that and so that even if you don't show all that on screen it's it can be sort of scaled up that there's some sort of thought behind how it all works and there's some rules in place mm-hmm. um, yeah. and you know similar to this and similar to other shorts have sort of done um i just yeah i think it's really if you, I think you can, if you t- go in with sort of a, an idea that this could be the opening scene of a really good mm-hmm. film or a sort of a middle bit, I think that's, I think that's really good. Otherwise, you could just end up sort of with a, a neat little short, which you can still use as a calling card, but might not naturally lend itself to sort of being lengthened out. Right. I think that's really good advice. I, I, I think it's really important to go into a project like this knowing why you're doing it so okay mm. you've got a great idea you're really interested in these characters you want to write about you've you've got a script that you think um will really work in a director who, who who knows how he wants to showcase it but what are you doing it for who is it for um and so you know whilst paul is away we'll be working we've we've got a um feature length idea for it mm-hmm. um uh, and we'll be working on that whilst whilst Paul's away, sort of, you know, until we can come back to the edit. Right. But as well as knowing that we've got this feature length idea, it's you know, who's this audience for? Yes, it's horror, and, mm-hmm. and what? Who are these characters? Who they're going to appeal to? What does it sort of uh, say about the current climate and everything? Mm-hmm. So, I think it's yeah, like Paul says, it's really important to have an idea of what this ten minutes is going to show and show um make a show of your talents that makes sense that's not a sentence (laughs) (laughs) i liked it i thought it was that's just a writer sat here and can't even formulate a sentence but i think you don't need to be able to talk you can write it's all fine yeah i'll write it down and send it to you josh (laughs) okay i'll 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 get the uh siri to to say it back i'm sure nobody will notice uh Uh, well, that's, I mean, it's just very exciting. I'm very excited for uh, where She Talks in Her Sleep is going to go uh, and where it's going to take you. I mean, obviously, you all have had, uh, you know, you're working in the industry, which, uh, as I understand it, in the UK, it's it's not a particularly large industry. Um, and I mean, that's a credit to you even on its own. And then you're, you're branching out into these new areas. So I'm just, I'm extremely excited to see, uh, to see she talks in her sleep and to see where, where you folks go. Um, and before we kind of sign off on this project is there is there anything else you would like to talk about i want to make sure that uh you you get a chance to speak to your many many fans uh about uh uh the you know anything that you're interested in either from either of these projects or anything else i know that the this this podcast is for uh, short filmmakers who uh by and large are just people who are very passionate about something and just have to do it regardless of whether or not it makes sense. So I don't know if you have any uh, any other advice that you would give to anybody in in those shoes either. Mm-hmm. Ben and Megan. Um, I uh, so uh, over the lockdown, I started reading more horror books and even plays. Hmm. Um, and because I, I think your go to as if you want to be a horror screenwriter, obviously your go to is um watching horror films and even mm-hmm. horror short films but um i read quite a few horror plays in particular mm-hmm. just to kind of up my knowledge a little bit um mm-hmm. but they were so helpful in um just dialogue um 
and how to create de- tension in the script <laughs> rather than just what you can see or what looks horrible, what looks odd. Right. Um, just types of language that you should be using and, and the pacing as well. So, um, I mean, it's I, I'm going to sound like a idiot, but immerse yourself in 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 a subject if it's if it's creative. And I think reading horror and um, going to see it live even is, mm-hmm. is a really great way to kind of build your knowledge around a, a film genre. I think that's really good advice. I think like yeah, especially yeah, if you're approaching a project and it's I don't know horror or comedy. Like, as well as, um, you know, getting down and writing yourself, I think like, yeah, like immersing yourself in in sort of other stuff just only like informs it and make it better. It doesn't mean you're like ripping stuff off, but you're mm-hmm. just sort of, gear, you know, gearing your brain into it. And um, yeah. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I think that's really good advice. There's a, there's a British playwright called um, Sarah Kane and she writes horrific stuff. It's really <laughs> difficult stuff to to read and one play that i reread blasted is is just about the horror war basically but the way her characters interact with each other whilst they've got all of this awful stuff happening around them there's and they're doing awful stuff in to each other there's sort of this underlying warmth between Hmm. characters and what they say to each other so it's it's sort of discombobulating but also makes them feel really human um so i think i would definitely recommend her as someone to read um in in the horror genre but it is a tough read (laughs) okay (laughs) my my short film advice would be because you get i get asked especially when the blue door was going was doing Mm -hmm. sort of festivals and stuff you do occasionally do sort of little q a's or whatever and Mm -hmm. you'd be asked sort of you know what's your advice and i'd always just say oh just do it you know just get on Mm -hmm. and do it and i sort of later was like that's just rubbish advice (laughs) obviously obviously you have to do it this is what happened um (laughs) and yeah and it's so i think so i sort of in my mind have sort of refined that advice and i was like because i think it's quite scary i think the idea of doing a whole film, even a short film, is quite scary. It just feels mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I guess yeah. get intimidated by it. Like, there's so many different levels of where we're going to get the money and who's going to mm-hmm. act in it, who's going to shoot it. Mm-hmm. And I think, don't, I think you just have, like a lot of things in life, you just got to take it in stages. And mm. it's just about applying enough pressure at each stage to get to the next stage. So it, it might start super small, like it might just be an idea you have with a friend for a good for a film or an actor you know that you want to work with and, and they're like well let's do something and what should we do and it might start like that and then it's just okay so what's the next bit of pressure we need to apply well it's let's write a little let's maybe not even write the script let's just write sort of an outline mm-hmm. for that and then mm-hmm. right what's the next bit of pressure is let's write the script and then let's get that good enough and then let's take that to a director and then and you just apply enough pressure at each stage and then it starts to snowball and mm-hmm. hopefully pressure, you know, other people start applying pressure. Like, right. um, you know, the DP you brought in has got the, has got a good link up with a facilities house and they can get mm-hmm. the kit and mm-hmm. they want to do it this way. And like, yeah. And then suddenly you don't, you've got this massive thing that you thought was like impossible, like starts to just take shape and other people start um, pulling weight too. And so, yeah, that would, my advice would be just to just sort of, it, it's okay that it starts small don't think of the big thing just think mm-hmm. of what you need to do to get it get the ball rolling and and yeah, yeah. and then just keep keep applying that bit of pressure to get to the next stage because it's easy just to let something stagnate and and mm-hmm. yeah it's just keeping up momentum with something if you really believe in it just yeah. just keeping up the momentum with it yeah and i think also um it's when if you sort of decide you're going to make the short film i think it's very easy to feel um you know responsible but for the whole thing whereas mm-hmm. like paul says you can go to those heads departments and say what is this and what do i do and mm-hmm. if they believe in the project they will help you they will come up with an answer for you and they'll 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 guide you through it so it's you're not you know as soon as you say i'm going to make a short film that doesn't mean i'm going to make the short film it's going to be all by myself and it's going to be terrifying mm-hmm. Um, it is going to be terrifying, but you'll have people who'll be scared with you and who want to do it with you. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be good at everything as well. Mm -hmm. Like you know, like um, I'm not that great at coming up with like original concepts. Like I just stare at a blank page. I'm like, I don't know. And then, (laughs) but um, if someone has a good concept, 
Yeah, I can steal it. I'm great at stealing it. And, <laughs> <laughs> or I think I'm quite good at sort of helping. Dev- I'll be like, oh, I like that. Have you thought about this? And I'm like, then my brain starts to work for some reason. I can sort of help develop something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. And it's just like, that's the filmmaking is a hugely collaborative process. And you don't have to be great at everything. But, but you probably have to be good at one of the things. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, great. This has been... An excellent discussion. Uh, where can people uh, find you or get in touch with you and, and uh, follow uh, you, the progress with She Talks in Her Sleep? Probably. I am. Um... Oh, go on. Sorry, I jumped no. right on you. You go. No. 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 Um, Who's going? What? Okay, I'll go. That is it. We do have a website called 13th Door Film. So it's the number 13, 1, 3, 13. T H. 13thdoorfilms.com. Oh, Paul, you should have said your website. <laughs> yeah, I, and also we're on, we're on social media. Uh, uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter. I'm Ben Pappy at, at Ben Pappy on, on Twitter. Yeah, it's um, harder than it looks. <laughs> yeah, and we've got a 13th Door account as well. So uh, you can look us up there and kind of keep in touch. Paul. I am on Instagram. I'm Paul Taylor Director on there, or you can do, I think I'm PaulTaylorDirector.com as well, some of my stuff on there. So, and that, yeah, you can contact me through that. Thanks a lot, Josh. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, so, you much. so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. It's been nice to be asked some interesting questions about it. Um, rather than what's behind the door <laughs> yeah i guess i never actually asked that question uh, uh, your atavistic terrors it sounds like megan um thanks again all of you and uh thank you all for listening to cheat the camera please comment and rate cheat the camera on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts it's the best way to help spread the word you can get in touch with me by contacting me at contact at cheat or on twitter at jdh makes and thank you for listening Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much.